Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and going to continue my series where we take a look at some of the classes of Dungeons and Dragons and how they've evolved over the course of the game's history. And I'm flying solo today. There were some scheduling conflicts with my friends who I normally record with and just it's just been a crazy week for me, which is why this episode is dropping a bit later than usual. So uh, sorry about the lateness of the episode, but eh, yeah, those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, you know, sometimes I do have variation. I Sometimes I try to get the show out by Thursday or Friday, but, you know, sometimes I don't get it out till Saturday. So hopefully uh, you all forgive me for the uh, lateness of this episode since I've been trying to consistently post on, on Thursday. So the Ranger... And the ranger is, like the fighter, one of the few D&D classes that I can say I've played in every single edition of the game, at least for the ones that it was available. It's a class I've enjoyed playing for many, many years, and as my friends who have been gaming with since middle school, high school will attest to, it's a class that I have certainly played my fair share of. I'm sure back then when we were planning campaigns, someone probably asked, is there going to be a ranger in the party? And one of my other friends would probably say, if Al is joining us, then yes, there will be a ranger in the party. Now, why did I like the ranger so much? I mean, I think that there's uh, three things that really made me want to play rangers. And first has to go back to the days of the old Dungeons & Dragons cartoons. And this was released in the early 80s, so those of you who've uh, watched it, you remember Hank with that awesome bow he had where, you know, sometimes he would be shooting just energy arrows. And there were other times where it would do other weird things. Like, I think sometimes they would do like... Well, I think in 5th edition they have something called the ensnaring shot, so we can say that went back to that old D&D cartoon, because I seem to recall there was one episode where Hank fired an arrow that, you know, wrapped itself around an enemy and and kept him entangled like that, so that's one of the things. The other thing that made me interested, and this was back when I was starting to enter middle school, Now, before middle school, I was familiar with The Hobbit, and I had seen the, you know, the, uh, the cartoon, the animated version of The Hobbit, and I remember reading the book in, in school, and I did read The Fellowship of the Ring around, I'm wanting to say eighth grade, I don't think I ever read it back in seventh grade, but I do remember reading it at least in 8th grade. And I remember, of course, the character Aragon. And, oh, he was he was awesome. And I remember they mentioned that he was a ranger. So that's another thing that got me interested in that particular character class. And I suppose the third thing, and try not to laugh at me for this, but I was in Boy Scouts for you know several years. And 
maybe it was that Boy Scout in me that attracted me to the Ranger. You know, this idea of this character who is, you know, good at heart and, you know, skilled in the wilderness and, you know, wood lore and, you know, he tries to use his skill at both, you know, hunting and wilderness survival as well as his fighting ability to try to help other people and protect the civilized world. So, I don't know, maybe it was that Boy Scout in me that also attracted me to the Ranger class. Well, going back, the Ranger is not a class that appeared in basic D&D. Now, at least not in any of the, the major supplements or the core rule books. I think that there may have been an attempt to make a basic version of the Ranger in, it was either Dragon Magazine or one of the other, like, newsletters, uh, new magazine type things that TSR did. So there was an attempt, but it never really, you know, it never really made its way into the main products. And honestly, I would be kind of curious to see how that turned out. And if you did play basic D&D, probably the closest you were going to get to the ranger was the elf. Because, at least when we look at some of the other versions of the ranger, looking back, the elf is probably the closest because, you know, they had the ability to fight with any weapon they wanted to and they could, you know, wear any armor and also had magic abilities as well. And I think once they got past basic, the uh, you know the, the red box set, and they started going to the expert rules and the other rules beyond that, I think later on they did introduce some options for the elf, like with being able to move around or hide in nature. That you know, and those are things that we would see in a lot of the other ranger classes as the game developed. But the first official D and D product where we see the Ranger is first edition. And according to the first edition player's handbook, they described the Ranger as Rangers are a subclass of fighter and are adept at woodcraft, tracking, scouting, and infiltration, and spying. Rangers must be good alignment, and of course they had to be strong, intelligent, wise, and had a good constitution as well. So the Ranger was categorized as a subclass of fighter. And later on in the Unearthed Arcana book, they did introduce a couple other rules, like they did give Rangers the ability to specialize just like the uh, the fighter did. Now, the thing that was interesting about Rangers, though, is they started out with a buttload of hit points. They only used the D8 for their hit points. However, at first level, they started out with 2d8 hit points instead of, well, one hit die worth. So eventually it would kind of taper out. I mean, if you're looking at how the hit points of a ranger compared to that of a fighter or a paladin, yeah, they're going to start with more, but eventually the fighter and paladin are probably going to start overtaking the, the ranger. But still, at low level, it really reinforced this idea of the ranger being this tough, you know, powerful warrior who could handle himself in the, 
you know, the, the wilderness. And not only that, he could, you know, he had to be tough because, you know, he was out there fighting giants and ogres and trolls and other nasty things. So, yeah, he had to develop quite a bit of physical stamina. And the Rangers also had some other abilities that would be helpful to the main role that they uh, placed the Ranger in with the, you know, woodcraft as well as uh, spying and scouting. They had the ability to surprise enemies, and they were better at that than most of the other classes. They were also a lot harder to surprise. They also had their tracking ability, which I like how they streamlined it for 2nd edition, because in 1st edition, tracking was based off of a percentage, where you had a base percentage, and then there were different modifiers that you'd throw in, like if it recently rained, or... If they were going to, you know, if it was snowy or if it was muddy and yeah, that made sense. You know, these were all things that could make it easier or harder to track something. The spell use of the ranger was also kind of surprising because they actually had two different types of spells they could draw from. Druid spells, because back in first edition, druids and clerics had their own individual spell lists. And magic user spells, which, not exactly sure where that came from. I mean, the druid part makes sense because, you know, rangers are supposed to be these protectors of nature. So, the fact that they might learn a little bit of druidic lore, that made sense. Now, granted, their spellcasting ability never really got that great. Their spell ability maxed out at 17th level where they could do two first-level druid spells, two second druid-level spells, two third-level druid spells, and then two first-level, two second-level magic user spells. So again, you, you didn't really have much emphasis on magic in the, uh, the rangers there, because, yeah, they're not really much of a spell selection. They also gained the ability to attract followers, though. In the player's handbook, they really didn't specify what type of followers a ranger would attract. They pretty much just said that they would attract a body of 2 to 24 followers, and the DM is the one who would determine what type of followers a ranger would get. So, all in all, first edition rangers were pretty badass, and they could use any weapon, wear any type of armor, so I'm not sure exactly how that would work, uh, you know, a ranger tromping around in plate mail with a two-handed sword in the woods. And uh, this is one of the things about first edition that I believe they got rid of in other editions, like with magic user spells especially, where if you were a multi-classed wizard and something else that could wear armor, you could have a wizard that was wearing full plate mail and casting spells. Now, I know they got rid of that in 2nd edition, where it's like, okay, if you were a wizard, or a multi-class wizard, no armor. Uh, the only exception would be, of course, elves being able to wear elven chainmail and still cast spells. But, yeah, if you were like a, you know, like a half-elf fighter magic user, you couldn't cast spells and wear armor at the same time. Not exactly going to get into the reasons behind that. We all have our own theories, but... Moving on to 2nd edition... And this is where we see the Ranger class really make some pretty radical changes. And some of the changes that we see occur in 2nd edition would 
carry on through the other editions. Now if we look at the first edition Ranger, probably the major inspiration for that was Aragon from and the Rangers of the North from the Lord of the Rings books. Well, second edition, it did give some mythological examples uh, for the ranger, such as Orion the Hunter, the uh, Huntresses of Diana, uh, also some other characters like Jack the Giant Killer, which, I, you know, I guess going back, that could also be one of the inspirations for one of the other major abilities that I forgot to mention in the first edition ranger is first edition rangers were exceptionally skilled at fighting humanoids like giants, orcs, trolls, you know, ogres, where they actually got a plus one day, their damage rolls per level. So you think about it, yeah, once you get, you know, 10th level and above, you can pretty much one hit kill orcs and some of the lesser types of humanoids. And yeah, you can cut a, a giant down to size pretty quickly. You know, I said, if you're swinging, you know, especially if you're using a high damage weapon like a two-handed sword, you know, you think about it, you're doing 3d6 plus 10 damage plus your strength bonus. Yeah, you could take out a giant pretty quickly. And, well, that's one of the abilities that would modify in second edition. So, uh, sorry, reason I I figured I should probably point that out is because, you know, as I was mentioning, the uh, second edition, one of the literary references for the ranger is Jack the Giant Killer. And of course, another influence for the ranger would be Robin Hood. So those are some of your mythological and literary examples of uh, the ranger. And if you wanted to go for a historical, generic example of a ranger, you could probably think of like a frontiersman or a pioneer as being a realistic historical example of what the ranger class could represent. So in second edition, they're described as being a hunter and a woodsman who lives not only by his sword, but also by his wits. And this is where we see the ranger go from being this heavily armored warrior to more of the lightly armored warrior. Rangers could still use any type of armor in second edition. It's just that their abilities encouraged them to wear lighter armor. They gained the abilities to move silently and hide in shadows, which of course it's a lot easier to do that if you're wearing leather armor than if you're wearing a, a suit of plate mail. One of the abilities for the ranger that I always liked was the two weapon fighting. And I'm not exactly sure where this came into play or why they decided to do the two-weapon fighting. So I always wondered if the reason that two-weapon fighting with rangers became standard in second edition was because of the popularity of the character Driss Duorden, who, you know, of course, was the draw ranger that was running around with two scimitars. But... I was reading somewhere, I think it was on a forum, that I guess uh, Dave, Dave Cook didn't really think that was the case. So, I don't know. 
Maybe that influenced the development of second edition Rangers. Maybe it didn't. I guess it's one of those things that it's kind of up to your own personal interpretation. So Rangers, even though they were encouraged to wear light armor, they could still be very effective as a scout or a spy. But again, because of their slower progression of move silently and hide in shadows, really they wouldn't become very proficient at it until around mid-level, you know, usually until around 8th level or higher, you know, you, you probably wanted to leave the scouting to the thief in the party. Now again, to uh, emphasize their wilderness expertise, they were given the ability to calm down and befriend animals, so that made sense. And they also could still use magic, though this time we went to just using priest spells, but you could only cast spells that had to do with plants or animals, which, again, makes sense, I suppose. Now, you also didn't gain as much followers at this edition, only 2 to 6, or 2d6, rather, but the table that they gave gave you some interesting possibilities. For example, you might attract a werebear follower, or a treant, or a pegasus, or a pixie, or a brownie. Of course, you also had you know your standard selection of animal followers, like bears, or wolves, or hawks, which you could say made sense. And of course, most likely you were going to get a, a human or demi-human follower, like a a ranger or a, a cleric or a fighter. And again, that made sense because, especially for a ranger follower, because, you know, presumably you might have a low-level ranger who wants to learn from a more seasoned veteran. Now, the ranger's ability to uh, tackle giants and other nasty creatures did go through another revision in 2nd edition, and instead of getting just a plus one damage per level against a wide range of enemies, this time you had to focus on one type of enemy. And the species enemy really, it was a bit limited. I mean, you only could choose one thing, like instead of choosing all humanoids, uh, you'd have to choose like an ogre or an orc. Now, as far as giants... I'm not sure how that was going to work. Um, I, I suppose it's up to Game Master's interpretation. It would make sense that uh, you know, a ranger could choose giants, but okay, what about, does he have to specify fire giants or frost giants or, or uh, stone giants? I guess that's up to DM's discretion. But you only got a plus four to attack and you didn't get any damage bonus. And then, of course, you also had your reaction bonus. And there was one D&D computer game that uh, I think played well into it, and I'm not sure if this was a special script they programmed for Rangers, but Icewind Dale. There's this one part where you're breaking into a, a stronghold of, fra- of a fire giants, and I remember the leader of my party was a ranger, and I they did let you select a species enemy in that game, and I selected giants. And I remember encountering a giant in that game, and it asked me what my business was. And again, my giant-hating ranger was the lead member in the party, and one of the options in the 
in, in the selections you could choose was killing is my business and you're my next customer, big guy. So I had to choose that one, of course, which of course led to the Giants attacking me. So I'm sure that was probably a generic one, but I can't help but wonder if they put that as a special script just for Rangers. That would have been pretty awesome. Now, once we get past the player's handbook, there were still quite a number of options that they introduced for the Ranger characters. And we see this in both the Complete Fighter's Handbook and the Complete Ranger's Handbook. Now, of the various character kits presented in the Ranger's Handbook, there were a few that couldn't that Rangers were not allowed to take. Like one of them I remember, the Gladiator, for example. The Gladiator was considered more of an urban-type character, so, I mean, they didn't necessarily bar Rangers from taking it, but they didn't advise it, because why would someone who, you know, roams the wilderness, why would he go into this profession where you are fighting in an arena all the time? I mean, I suppose they could allow it if you came up with some cool backstory like, you know, your ranger was captured and enslaved and forced to become a gladiator, but eh. They also had a few other classes that worked well with it, like the Myrmidon, who was the the professional soldier. So a ranger who took the Myrmidon kit, I could see him as being this, you know, like a, well, a military scout. Also another one that could be uh, fun to play with, the Swashbuckler. Again, the personalities might not mesh. I mean, why would, again, this character who prefers to hang out in the wilderness, why would he take a kit that is usually associated with more urban adventuring? But it didn't say you couldn't be a Ranger Swashbuckler, but it could be a, a fun character to play in. Some of the other ones that worked well, like the Beast Rider. Again, rangers specialize in taming and calming animals. So since that ranger does have the ability to work with animals, a Beast Rider does make a lot of sense. The Complete Rangers Handbook also gave a great deal of variety to the rangers. Uh, for example, you had one of my favorite ones, the Justifier. And the Justifier was, again, that, that tough military professional ranger. And his combat abilities were a little bit better than your standard ranger, but on the offside, he didn't get as many spells. The same holds true with the Mountain Man, and that one, could I see, could be a fun character to play. The Again, Mountain Man was kind of this rough-and-tumble survivalist who preferred, preferred to stay as far away from civilization as possible. Another interesting ranger kit that I remember from that book is the Seeker. And this was a ranger that actually focused a bit more on spells and magic as opposed to combat. He couldn't use a sword. He only gained one weapon proficiency at first level, but he gained his spells a lot sooner than the other ranger kits did. And not only that, he also had access to a, a little bit more magic. So I could see that as being a fun character to play if you are like to do a ranger that's more into you know spiritual matters as opposed to military matters. Well, moving on, 
third edition. And I know there were a few changes to the Ranger between 3.0 and 3.5. I only have the 3.5 player's handbook. I think the what I heard is that Rangers were a bit underpowered in... 3.0, so they actually gained a bit of a boost when it moved from 3.0 to 3.5. Now, I'd have to say there's a couple changes here that one of them I'm not really sure how to feel about, and the other I actually didn't mind. One of the major changes is Rangers now could be any alignment, because in 1st and 2nd edition, Rangers had to be good. They were modeling this character after heroic archetypes. So it made sense that a ranger would have to be good, but now a ranger could be neutral or evil. I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I guess since the ranger was always such a near and dear to me uh, in my early gaming years, at first, I was definitely against it. My opinion on that is moving more, though, from a negative opinion to more of a neutral one. So, I suppose neutral aligned rangers, if you're taking the ranger as the guardian of the wilderness, then, yeah, a neutral aligned ranger could work. Again, they're not necessarily going to go out of their way to be harmful to society, to the civilized world, but they're not necessarily going to go out of their way to help them either. They're more concerned about making sure that the you know that the, the that nature is protected. So you could very easily see them as allying themselves with druids. The other major restriction is that now any race could be a ranger where previously the only races that could be a ranger were humans and half-elves in 1st edition, and then in 2nd edition, humans, elves, and half-elves. But now anyone could be a ranger. And I, I kind of liked that change. Now, 3rd edition wasn't the, only, wasn't the first attempt to allow rangers that weren't humans or half-elves or elves. There was an attempt in the 1st edition Dragonlance, um, campaign handbook, and that's the one where I believe it's got a picture on the cover of Tannis Half-Elven holding up the crown, and one of the dragon high lords, I think Ariakis, is laying behind him, you know, with a blood patch on his armor, but, well, that one I remember they allowed hill dwarves, and I believe Kender had the ability to become rangers. And the second edition Rangers handbook did give some optional rules for other rangers, like gnome rangers, halfling rangers, and dwarven rangers. The main restrictions were, first, they would lose their spell abilities, but a demi-human ranger also had to take a kit. Like, for example, and, and well, and some of them did make sense, like, you could very easily see a dwarf ranger having the mountain man kit. But again, 3rd edition did away with all that, and same thing in editions following. And I remember the first 3rd edition character I played was actually a Dwarven Ranger. So the 3rd edition Ranger, it again, it continues the tradition of this lightly armored scout. As the player's handbook describes, 
The forests and hills are home to fierce and cunning creatures such as bloodthirsty owl bears and malicious displacer beasts. But more cunning and powerful than these monsters is the ranger, a skilled hunter and stalker. He knows the woods as if they were home, and indeed they are, and he knows his prey in deadly detail. And then we have uh, Solvalis, who is the iconic ranger in third edition here, and I don't know, the picture of him's okay. I don't know if it's just me, but I wasn't much for the armor style they used in this edition. But just looking at the picture, I always wondered what that was supposed to be on his back. I mean, you can kind of see a bow slung over his shoulder, but then it doesn't look like arrows. It looks more like he's carrying a bunch of Q-tips on his back. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Feel free to leave a comment. But So, anyways. So, getting back to the whole alignment issue. Again, I could see neutral rangers, and then uh, they re- they mentioned evil rangers would be... More like those who seek to emulate the crueler aspects of nature, like a a bloodthirsty, predatory animal. And I could also see evil rangers working as outlaws as well. So if you have like a bandit king, you could make him an evil ranger instead of an evil thief or an evil fighter. Well, in addition to the whole emphasis on light armor and also having some abilities to move silently and hide. Rangers did get a little bit more combat options in 3rd edition. You could choose to specialize in two-weapon fighting or in archery. So that gave you the ability to uh, access the benefits granted by certain feats, but of course only if you were wearing light armor or or no armor at all. They also retained the ability to cast spells, though they gained their own specialized spell lists, and eh, not that bad. I mean, I did kind of like how they did get their own specialized spells instead of uh, having to use the same types of spells as, as priests did. Animal companions were also uh, another class feature they got, I don't know about you guys out there, but I never really got into Animal Companions, and I guess the way I see it is this. If you've got a beloved cat or a dog or a, well, in a fantasy world, a, you know, a wolf or a bear or a mountain lion, would you really take that beloved pet on an expedition to a dragon's den or to go fight, a, you know, an encampment of orcs? I don't know. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. But I guess the thing that I that always bothered me about animal companions is, yeah, well, having a, a brown bear or a you know a lion as a as a friend and follower might be kind of cool, and, and it would be great against like you know bandits and orcs. You probably wouldn't want to take it against a giant or an ogre or a troll or some of the other nastier monsters of D and D. Rangers still had the ability to choose a species enemy in 3rd edition, though now we're calling it Favored Enemy. And this is one of the other changes I did like, that you could either continue to improve on your ability to be really hateful and really good in combat against one particular enemy, 
or every few levels you gain the ability to choose an, a different one instead. So let's say you start by choosing humanoids as your species enemy, specifically orcs. Well, then after a few levels, you could, you know, either decide to become much better at fighting orcs, or maybe now you might want to choose something like minotaurs or giants or dragons. Now, unfortunately, I haven't really played too much of a ranger in third edition. Uh, the time I did play it, it was just like for a couple game sessions. So I'm not sure how they work at higher levels. Now, of course, there were tons of splat books for third edition, just like in second edition. There was one for, I think it was called Races of the Wild. I'm not sure I might be wrong on that, but that was focusing on stuff for rangers, druids, and barbarians. And I know they also had the, the it was either the Complete Warrior or the Ultimate Warrior, which I assume there was some good material for rangers in there as well. And of course, there were there were tons of third-party supplements out there. And I remember seeing one that did talk about making non-magic variants of the ranger. So if you wanted to play a ranger, but maybe you're doing it in a, a low magic setting or a no magic setting even. So rather than just say, okay, you know, ranger, you lose these abilities, you, you could get some new abilities to compensate for that loss of magic. Well, moving on to fourth edition, and from here, you're going to notice that I'm going to have a little bit less to say about the Rangers in these uh, next couple editions because, again, while I have played Rangers in these editions, I haven't played them as much as I would have liked. So my experience with Rangers Beyond 2nd Edition is a little bit more limited. So the Ranger in 4th Edition are described as watchful warriors who roam past the horizon to safeguard a region, a principle, or a way of life. Masters of bow and blade, rangers excel at hit-and-run tactics and can quickly and silently eliminate foes. Rangers lay superb ambushes and excel at avoiding danger. So, here we again see the ranger as being the lightly armored warrior who focuses on ambush, and hit-and-run tactics. Again, there were a few other changes, though, that were kind of surprising. Now, like in 3rd edition, you could choose the ability to specialize in archery, which, of course, is good if you have a higher dexterity, or if you had a higher strength, you might want to be a two-blade ranger where you focus on the two-weapon fighting. Now, the thing that surprised me about 4th edition is they pretty much got rid of the concept of animal followers, at least in from what I know of in the, the main player's handbook. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a supplement out there that talked about animal followers for a ranger, but it didn't. they really didn't focus on it, I think, in the, the main player's handbook. Also, another surprising change, no hated enemy. So that was something that we've seen in Rangers all through the previous editions. Again, first edition, you gained your damage bonus against a wide variety of humanoid monsters. Second edition, you could choose one specific type of monster as your hated enemy. 
third edition. Again, you could continue to build upon your hatred for a particular type of monster, or you could branch out and become an equal opportunity hater, and you could hate goblins and orcs and trolls and dragons and just about anything you wanted to. But didn't really see that in the 4th edition Ranger, and also no spell use either, so that was kind of surprising as well. Uh, Mainly, uh, you had your standard array of at-will encounter and daily powers, and then they also had their utilities as well, which were uh, not necessarily attacks, but more things just designed to help with your like your movement or tactics, I guess you could say. Because uh, one of the things about 4th edition, uh, like it or hate it, is that you have this whole, this very tactical board game type feel where there's a lot of powers that emphasize, you know, that you need to be able to be like, okay, you do this and then you move this number of spaces or move this number of spaces and then do this and then move this other number of spaces. Like one example that I can think of just looking at the player's handbook here The Evasive Strike. You confound enemies by weaving through the battlefield unscathed as you make your attacks, which, you know, basically you get to shift a number of squares equal to one plus your wisdom modifier before or after your attacks. So, again, a lot of stuff like that where there's this big emphasis on being this quick, lightly armored fight warrior, which... You know, you're not like the fighter where you're going to stand toe-to-toe with that ogre. You're going to sneak in and attack while your friend is distracting the ogre and then move on to your next opponent. And, you know, they also gain the ability to their hunter's quarry. So that was new, where you could choose one person to be your, you know, your quarry. And every time you attacked them, you gained a, a damage bonus. So, again, they're, they were designed to be, I think, a less of the spy and woodsman and survivalist and more just the hit-and-run warrior. So, I don't know. From my experience playing a ranger in 4th edition, it wasn't bad, but wasn't exactly memorable. So, not saying that I hate... Again, not saying I hate 4th edition, it's just that the ranger class didn't impress me as much. Finally we get to the most recent 5th edition, where they describe the ranger as deadly hunters and independent adventurers. So, I've mentioned this before uh, many episodes ago, when I made my first 5th edition character, it was a lawful good human ranger, which, for my friends who I've been gaming with for many years, the fact that I chose to make a lawful good human ranger as my first 5th edition character probably did not come as a surprise to them. So, honestly, as much as I like 5th edition, the Ranger class didn't really impress me as much. Again, you've got some of the stuff carrying over from 3rd edition, where I think from now they've pretty much eliminated the concept of uh, having to be a, a specific alignment for a class or be having to be a specific race. So I think we've all kind of gotten used to that um, over the last 
a few years that Wizards has been in control of uh, the Dungeons & Dragons brand. Again, not necessarily a bad thing. Whether it's a good thing, that's up to you. But I guess the thing that I didn't really like as much about the 5th edition Rangers is I felt with the the archetypes you chose, it really kind of pigeonholed you into one of two archetypes. The Beastmaster, and this was your animal companion. So a Beastmaster would be your ranger that focuses on the use of training an animal to help him in combat. And I guess that never really appealed to me because I've never been much for animal companions. Again, they're okay at when you're fighting lower level enemies, but once you start getting into the tougher stuff, yeah, you don't you don't want to take a tiger against an ancient colossal red dragon. <laughs> Unless you're using some kind of house rule or I don't know if they ever made a rule where they allow the or actually yeah, in fifth edition there was a rule where your animal follower did get tougher as you gained experience. But other than that, the only choice in the handbook is just the hunter, which means that you're essentially this, you know, this go between between society and civilization and the wilderness. So, in a way, it harkens a bit more back to the second edition ranger, where you're this, you know, this pioneer, this frontiersman, this explorer. And the main thing with the ranger archetype there, the hunter, it did give you a little bit more variety, like the giant killer, where you're if you're attacking, you know, larger, uh, larger enemies, you can inflict extra damage on them, and you know, so I guess that harkens back to the, you know, the the giant slain aspect of first edition, or. One of them, which I, this was the one that I took when my ranger got that level, Horde Breaker, where essentially you're, you specialize in fighting against large groups of enemies. I mean, I did like the the fighting style aspect, and that is one of the things I do like about 5th edition, the, the fighting styles, because they give you just a little something extra, and they're not really unbalancing. Uh, and of course, the feats... And I've mentioned this before when I've talked about 5th edition. I really like the way they did feats in 5th. And again, if you listen to the the episode where we did about the fighter, you know, you'll hear me talk all about how I love that uh, heavy armor mastery feat. <laughs> so, I don't know. If I get a chance to play more 5th edition, I, I would certainly open myself up to playing a ranger again. And I'm sure that they will release additional supplements or materials, hopefully with more archetypes. That's just, I guess, my main complaint about the 5th edition Ranger, is, yeah, you're, you're kind of pigeonholed. You're either the Hunter or you're the Beastmaster. So you don't have as much variety as you did in 3rd edition and 2nd edition. Because, of course, with 3rd edition, you could really customize your Ranger with the feats. You know, again, you had a higher dexterity. You could choose to specialize in feats that used that higher dexterity. 
And of course, in second edition, when you had the fighter's handbook and the ranger's handbook you could work with, it gave you a lot of good choices. Now, let's go back to one of the, the second edition kits I mentioned. The Seeker, a ranger who focuses more on the use of magic and you know so he gets a little bit more spell power than the average ranger does you can't really emulate that in fifth edition so yeah again i guess that's my only complaint so far but who knows hopefully somewhere down the line wizards of the coast will release uh, some more archetypes for rangers for those of us who aren't necessarily thrilled by the ones that are in the player's handbook so Well, there you have it. A look at one of my personal favorite classes in Dungeons & Dragons. So we definitely see how the Ranger has evolved over the additions. Going from this heavily armed and armored tank, wilderness warrior, you know, spy, scout from 1st edition to 2nd edition where we tended to focus more on the you know the wilderness protector and you know again the lightly armored spy and scout and woodsman 3rd edition again now you could be an evil ranger you could be any you could be a ranger no matter what your race was and you know again with 3rd edition you had the versatility of the feats where you could customize your character as you pleased Fourth edition, we've got the hack and slash two blades of doom ranger, where you're running around doing all sorts of uh, fun attacks and damage to your enemies. And then, of course, the fifth edition, which I don't know, I haven't played the fifth edition ranger enough to form much of an opinion beyond the fact that I feel a little bit unimpressed by it. (laughs) Well, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. And uh, not sure when I'll get a chance to do part three of the looking at each of the classes. And uh, next one, I'm going to try to take a look at the Paladin. So hopefully you'll look forward to that sometime in the future. So thanks again for tuning in and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are and happy gaming.